Whoa! Wow! Here we are. Is anyone jacked? I'm gonna need you to be. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, here's the deal. Um, I'm terrified. Just to be completely honest, you know that thing in your throat, like, you know? It's happening this whole time. It's been happening this whole week. So uh, I'm gonna need your help. If there's anything, yeah, if there's anything I say that you like, say amen, say yes, say go with that. If there's anything that you don't like or disagree with, just lie and say, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, that's great. And then just make a little note. Like, I'm gonna check that later. And, uh, and, uh, and then we'll sit down and have coffee, talk about it, and we'll have a good time. Sound good? Sick. Sweet. Uh, well, if you don't know, my name is Wesley Schrock. I am the worship pastor here at the St. Paul campus. This is my wife, Bethany. You just met her. She was on stage. And, uh, and uh, we have the real honor of building God's church in St. Paul. And we moved to St. Paul two years ago, and we love this city with our whole hearts, and we believe that the best is yet to come. Um, how many believe that in 2020 is going to be their best year yet? Come on. We believe that. I believe that's true for us. I believe that's true for you. And I believe that's true for this campus. We haven't seen anything yet in Jesus' name. And uh, before we jump in, I just want to give honor to our lead pastor, Pastor Rob Ketterling and, and Becca Ketterling. They, we have some of the greatest pastors on the planet that step out. And when God tells them to do something, they step into it and they do it. So can we just honor them and give them some love today? As well as Davy and Nicole, our campus pastors, the greatest. Um, Davey texted me about, about preaching last week and he said, hey, I think it'd be a great idea if you and Rach preach. And uh, I just texted back, H-A, 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 ha! And that was the end of the conversation. That was it. And then, uh, and then you know those moments in your life when, um, when something bad happens and you remember where you were? That happened to me. Christmas Eve. I was right here. I had my guitar on and uh, Davey stood right here and he said, guess what? Pastor Wes and, and, and Rachel are preaching this week. I didn't agree to that. <laughs> I didn't. So Davey, if you're listening, if uh, I just walk off, you're lost. I didn't agree to this. Um, but we're going to get started. We're talking about joy. And just to speed everybody up, maybe you haven't been in church the past couple weeks, we've been talking about joy all month. Tis the season. Tis the joyful season. And um, Pastor Kirk spoke an incredible message on joy, uh, uh, joy making a comeback in our lives. And uh, uh, he talked about the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was 300 years of silence. The people of God knew that a Messiah was coming, knew that the Savior was coming. They didn't know when, and then there was 300 years of silence, and God broke through the silence, and joy came. I believe God can break through your silence today, and that you can be filled with joy today. And then Pastor Rob talked about last week, joy changing everything in your life. When Jesus came, put on flesh, and was born in Bethlehem, that changed everything. For all time, for you and me, for every person in the room, every person forever, it changes everything. And I believe that too, that your life can change today. We're talking about joy, but here's what I do know about the presence of God, is that when God's in the room, anything can happen, and, and, and tired heads can be lifted if you're weary today. We're talking about joy, but I believe God can meet every single need in the room, no matter what you're going through. So somehow, some way, I'm praying that you receive what you came for today. That's more of Jesus in your life. 
Amen. Amen. We're going to get into, we're going to jump right in into Romans 5. So if you have your Bibles, let me get on the Wi-Fi uh, so I don't mess this up. Romans 5, if you have your Bibles, turn there. And um, listen, I'm not super organized, so I'm just going to talk and I have a couple points. Uh, so hopefully it'll uh, work out and make sense. Um, but I'm just going to kind of read through scripture and tell you how I view it. Before I read through scripture, I need to know what's going on and uh, around the context. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context for Romans 5. We're talking about Paul here. Paul is, oh, you got it up. Awesome. Uh, Paul is uh, on his third missionary journey. And he's in Corinth at the time he writes this letter. Here's how we know that the, that the word of God has power in our lives today. Because there's a real person that wrote a real letter to some real people with some real problems. And turns out 2,000 years later, we still got issues. And we got problems in our lives that we need to look to the word of God for. And so that's what we're going to do today. And, uh, and Paul is in Corinth at the time. It's his third missionary journey. So Essentially, he's been through some things in his life. He's seen some stuff. He hasn't been to Rome yet, but he's riding to Rome because he knows he's headed there. He's going to go there. And essentially what, what the book of Romans is, it's a, a foundational, like theology foundation that Paul's laying to the church in Rome. And when he gets there, he's going to build on that. So he's been talking about righteousness in the chapter before this and how we, me and you were made right with God because of what Jesus did. And so that's where we're started. Romans 5, are you there? Are you ready? I'm not, so let's do it. Um, let's read Romans 5, 1. Uh, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, we have peace. We have access to peace today. Uh, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The grace that we stand in today is that we are reconciled with God because of what Jesus did. That's what Paul's talking about. We have access to his presence. Brad and Sierra can lead us into God's presence and things can change in our lives. Uh, Paul goes on, uh, remember we're talking about joy. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We're talking about joy. The title of this message is Joy Isn't Seasonal. If you want a subtitle, uh, yeah, come on, joy is this. You can have it all year long. Praise God. Doesn't have to go away when the Christmas tree does. Uh, I put the trees away because Christmas is over, it, but Christmas is every year, all the time. Joy. Uh, a subtitle, if you want a subtitle, it's let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. Let it flow. If you got joy, let it flow. Let's pray because I need it. Lord, thank you today. God, thank you that you're here. God, thank you that we have access to your presence. And Lord, today, if people are weary, they're tired, Lord, I pray that you would lift their head, that something in, in your word going forth, God, uh, we're reminded that it never returns void and it changes things in our lives. So Lord, would you shift the atmosphere right now and people receive what they need to receive today. We love you. Uh, I pray for more joy in our life that it overflows into the people around us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Sick. Um, can I be honest? I can't stand this verse. Uh, for real. Um, 
some of you know a little bit about Bethany and I's journey, uh, but we got married four years ago. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. I love this. Okay, we got married four years ago, and uh, one year into marriage, um, she got diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, and uh, but we, uh, it, it's all sorted out. It's all good. We're good now. Praise God. But there was a couple years of really um, going back and forth to the doctors, not having answers. And to be quite honest, I mean, we still don't have a lot of answers for symptoms that Bethany's going through and all that kind of stuff. But we're believing God for full healing every day. And um, and so there was a lot of seasons of our life the past couple years where uh, we kind of shied away from verses like this, like have joy in your suffering. Like, what is that, Paul? Like, I'm like some things. Like when you're walking through something, we, we put up, we put up like scripture all over our house, you know, like we're going to, I'm going to raise our faith, you know, like this is wartime, like let's go. And so we had scripture of who God says we are and that we're healed and that he's going to sustain us and he's our provider and he's our prince of peace. So we're going to have peace in the storm, but not this verse. Like we, this, we had a food aversion to this verse. Um, and so it's been real difficult for me to study uh, on joy because I'm having to relearn uh, what God says about joy and what it actually is versus what I thought it was. And because uh, it's really hard to have that feeling of joy sometimes when you're going through real stuff in life. And uh, so essentially what we're going to do is we're going to tear down um, our view of joy and build it back up with God's view of joy. Uh, Dictionary.com says that joy is the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. So for the next next 20 minutes, three hours, I don't know, anything could happen. Uh, I'm going to try to like throw in as many like preacher jokes as possible. <clears throat> this is my one time. Uh, happiness, happiness is external and the joy Paul's talking about is internal. Happiness is based on what's going on around you. Maybe you're having a hard day. It's hard, sometimes it's hard for me to have joy on good days. Like I wake up and it's raining outside and it kills my joy. Uh, but um, it, it's, happiness is what happens around us. Joy is internal. Happiness is uh, by chance. Something could happen today that changes the way you feel about something. Joy is internal. Joy is by choice. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on Christ. And, uh, and here's, here's like the overarching th like point, um, one of them. Joy is not a feeling that happens to you. It is a resolve that flows through you. By resolve, I mean like sure, like foundational, like choice. It's something that flows through you. It's not, it's not external. So we're going to put aside the feeling of joy right now and talk about what, what the resolve in us for joy. Um, and, and feelings aren't bad. I'm not saying don't have feelings because feelings help us connect with people. Feelings help us connect with God. Those are all good things. But when we're talking about joy that Paul's talking about, it's a resolve in your spirit. And, uh, and we're going to read this verse again, but let's just tie a thread. Uh, if joy had a thread tied to it and it was feelings, like cut that thread. And we're going to tie joy to outcome. Okay? And we're going to talk about this. So point number one is joy is tied to outcome. Follow me on this. Paul's saying here in verse three, not only that, 
but we rejoice in our sufferings. He doesn't stop here. He doesn't stay, just have joy for joy's sake. And it's going to cause, you know, bad times to be less bad because you're happy about it. That's not what he's talking about. I don't think. Paul says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. There's an outcome. And endurance produces character, an outcome. And character produces hope, an outcome. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. James talks about this too in James 1 and 2. He says, count it all joys, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's an outcome. So there's something about James and Paul's joy that's not external. Something about James and Paul's joy that is focused on an outcome. And uh, what is that outcome? How does Paul know that there's going to be an outcome? Because Paul's been through things. Paul's been thrown in jail. He's been mocked for what he's believed. He's going around telling people about Jesus in a time when people didn't want to hear about it. He's been through things but he's seen the faithfulness of God. So joy is not a, not a feeling that happens to you. It's a resolve that flows through you. Where does it flow from? It flows from the wellspring called the faithfulness of God. God has been faithful to Paul. So he knows that no matter what situation he's in, no matter what he's facing or walking into, that he can trust in God because God's been faithful to him before. and He's going to be faithful to him today. And no matter what he walks through, he can have a resolve of joy in his spirit because he knows the outcome. What's the outcome? It's God's faithfulness every single time. And, uh, and you may say that's all well and good, like for the little things, like I didn't get a par- parking spot, you know, and, and now that's going to produce patience in me. Yeah, I understand that. I can do that. That's cool. But what about the really hard things? You know what I'm saying? Bethany had a brain tumor. That was a tragic thing in our life that broke down a lot of uh, what we believed about God and had to build it back up. When things happen like that in your life that, that just break you down to your core, um, it's, it's a thing that God has to build back up in you in the correct way and believing the right thing. So how do we look at this verse? How do we know the outcome when we're going through something maybe we haven't faced before? We've seen God's faithfulness. Maybe you're trying to make ends meet this month to pay for rent. How do you know you're going to be able to do that? Because you're in the same situation last month and God came through. Come on, you're looking for a job and you don't know where it's going to come from. How do you get the other job? Because of God's faithfulness and because God provided that for you. How do you know? Because God's done it before. But how do you face something that you never walked through? Something that tears you down. And how do you know God's going to be faithful again? We're going to look at Hebrews 12 2. And we're going to look at Jesus. Looking to Jesus, we're talking about joy, tied joy to outcome. We're looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand in the throne of God for the joy set before him. This is Jesus. Like Jesus is walking to the cross. He's being shamed. He's being beaten. He's being spit on and he's carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, the weight of your and I's sin on his shoulders. And he has joy set before him. How does he have joy set before him going into that? Because he knows the outcome. 
He knows that he's going to get beaten. He knows that he's going to get nailed to the cross and they're going to put a crown of thorns on his head. He knows that he's going to die and get crushed by what he's going through. But he also knows that he's not going to stay there. He's not going to be buried forever. Their third day is coming and he's going to be raised to life. He knows the outcome. He knows the outcome. So how do we face something we've never faced before? Walk through a trial we never walked through before. We know the ultimate outcome. The cross, that's the ultimate outcome. That's the ultimate act of God's faithfulness. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, honestly, I've never seen God be faithful in my life. Can I tell you he has? It's called the cross. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever looked? It's the cross. That's the greatest act of faithfulness you could ever have in your life. And it changes everything. That's what we're talking about. It's joy is a resolve in you. It's not a feeling that happens to you. It's a resolve that flows through you out of the wellspring of the faithfulness of God in you. He's been faithful to you. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. It's so easy for us to forget, but sometimes we got to look back and see all that God's done. Before 2019 is over, look back at this year and write down all the times God's been faithful to you, all the times he came through, all the times he stepped in, all the times that you didn't even know. You thought it was just life. You thought it was just luck. You thought you were just good things were happening. Can I tell you, it's God's faithfulness in your life. And, uh, and, and we don't just have a resolve for joy for ourselves. We have a resolve for joy for the people around us. Uh, I was talking about Paul and um, Paul was thrown into prison multiple times. And there's this one account before he wrote this uh, to the church in Rome. Uh, He was thrown into prison with his friend uh, Silas and uh, they'd been preaching the gospel to people and they threw him into prison. And uh, Paul and Silas had a resolve for joy in their spirit in that prison cell so much so that they started singing. Some of you know this story. It's crazy. It's about to get wild. Uh, they started singing hymns and praying. They had a resolve for joy in their spirit. Why could they sing in the middle of a dark day? No one was coming for them. They got thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. No, no one was coming for them. They had a resolve because they'd seen what God has done before. They were focused on outcome. They weren't focused on their circumstance. They were focused on outcome, what God had done before, what he's going to do today. And so they started singing. And this is crazy. So they start saying, this is a real, this is a real thing that really happened. They started singing and the prison doors open, their prison cell open, but not just their prison cell, every prison cell in the whole place broke open. That's insane. So here's what happened because of Paul's resolve for joy in his life. And because of Silas's resolve for joy in his life, it not only set them free, it set the people around you free. Why do you need to have a resolve for joy? You need to have a resolve for joy because your neighbor needs to see you walk through something difficult and have a resolve for joy. And that's going to set them free. You need a resolve for joy for your friend that you work next to every day that maybe you haven't even had a conversation about Jesus, but they see how you walk through life. They see that you have a resolve in your spirit because God's been faithful to you before. They need to see it because it's going to set them free. It's not only going to set you free, it's going to set the people around you free. And then this is the craziest thing about this story. It's not even finished. Um, when I hear about this story, I, I'm, that's awesome for the prisoners, but I'm kind of stressing inside for the guy that's got to watch everybody. 
You know what I'm saying? Like the jailer, the guy that's keeping everybody in. Here's the deal. Paul and Silas, that's bogus. They should never have been thrown into prison in the first place. Okay? They're preaching the gospel, doing good things, and they were thrown into prison. I'm sure there's some people in there that probably deserve to be in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some people there that probably deserve to be in jail. And this guy's just doing his job, like making sure everyone stays in. Talk about a bad day. A bad day at work. Everyone broke free. Stop. Like, that's the worst day. And uh, scripture tells us that this, the jailer sees that everyone is broke free and he knows like this is his, like he's going to lose his job, maybe even lose his life for this. And, and, he, and he starts to think maybe I should just, maybe I should just kill myself and be, just be done with it. I won't have to put up with it. Quite literally, scripture tells us that this man is suicidal at this point. And this is what's crazy because of Paul and Silas's resolve for joy that night in that prison cell. It not only set Paul and Silas free, it set everyone else in the free. And also it set the person that was watching them, holding chains on them, it set that person free. So this man went from being suicidal, uh, went from the darkest day in his life to having a radical encounter with Jesus because of the joy that Paul and Silas had in their life. My friends, people need you to have a resolve for joy in your life because it's gonna set people free. It's going to set people free. And uh, not only did uh, the jailer um, meet Jesus that day, later that day, his entire family came to know Jesus. Your family needs you to have a resolve for joy in your life. Um, And the last thing I'll say on this point is this city needs you to have a resolve for joy. The people that you walk next to every day, they need to encounter Jesus through you. They may meet you, but they'll encounter Jesus. They may have a good conversation with you, but it may change everything in their life. It may unlock things in their life um, that you didn't even know were there. But because they encountered you, they encountered joy, the resolve for joy in you, it'll set them free. It's almost like you can't really receive joy until you start giving it. And uh, my last point is uh, find joy. Joy is tied to Jesus. So joy is not a thing that happens to you. It's a resolve that flows through you out of the wellspring of God's faithfulness. Joy is tied to outcome. What's our outcome? We're focused on the faithfulness of God. Joy is not just for you. It's for the people around you. And joy is tied to Jesus. And Anita, if you're in the room, you can come and uh, start playing keys. Um, the truth is, he's the only reason we have true joy. Jesus equals joy. I mean, this is like real elementary, first grade, Sunday school class kind of stuff, but it's true. When I uh, heard that I was speaking on joy, I immediately went to the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I miss something? Gentleness. Thank you. And uh, how do we have more fruits of the Spirit in our lives? Scripture tells us to walk by the Spirit. What does walk by the Spirit mean? It means to abide in Christ. I know this is all really Christianese. What does abide by the, in Christ mean? It means to have a relationship with Jesus. Simple. 
every day, walking step and step with Jesus. What does that look like? It looks like open up your, your Bible and reading. To have a relationship, you gotta learn about the person. You gotta know uh, who their character is, what they're like. And uh, the crazy thing about reading God's word is it not only reveals God's character, it tells you who you are. It's like a mirror, it tells you who you are. And uh, in my scripture, my Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ who gives me strength. The scripture says that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Psalm says that the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's a stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? You want to know how you have joy when you're going through something hard? You focus on Jesus. You focus on Jesus. That's the only thing that got us through some really hard times. I didn't have that feeling of joy, happiness, but I had to fix my eyes because this thing was gonna crush me, but I had to fix my eyes on Jesus. That's, that's what a resolve for joy looks like. It might not always look like this happy feeling. Sometimes it might look like just Jesus, this is me and you, like, let's do this. Why? Because we know the outcome. It's his faithfulness. Someone's sick, that's hard. You know what it's an opportunity for? God's faithfulness. That's what a resolve for joy looks like. And, and, uh, the truth is we all have a depravity for joy in our life. I think if you asked anyone on the street, like, what do you want in life or like, what are you after? I think you get a long list of goals, probably a long list of like, maybe I want to travel here or do this thing. Um, but I think if you peel back all the layers, I think people would just say, I want to be happy. Like I want to be happy with my life. I want to be, I want to be joyful. And uh, here's what we've started to do. We've started chasing a feeling. We started chasing happiness and uh, shout out Joe Bros. Didn't they do chasing happiness? I don't know. Anyways, uh, sorry. Um, they started, we've started chasing happiness as a culture. And uh, what we've done is we've uh, put this feeling up here and we've labeled that our God. And we forgot that joy is never even really a feeling in the first place. It's a resolve. And when we make God our God, that feeling, that happiness, that joy, that's a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. It's a byproduct of a focus on Jesus, on a focus on his faithfulness. Joy will come. Jesus told us in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Outcome. He's the overcomer. He's an overcomer in your life. When you start chasing feelings, you start catching feelings. But they're not the feelings you want to catch. You start chasing feel, you start chasing happiness and trying to fill your life with all these things. Instagram, some shoes, something I'm going to wear. We're, like when we try to fill our life with it, we start catching feelings. But the feelings we catch are depression. The feelings we catch are anxiety. The feelings we catch are tired, broken, downhearted, trying to fill our life 
because we forgot that it's not about a feeling. Feelings will come, but it's about a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I've never really had a relationship with Jesus. I've never had real joy in my life. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't connect with this joy you're talking about because I don't, I don't know Jesus. I'm believing that Jesus is here and he's with waiting with open arms to have an encounter with you. Just like Paul did before he wrote this book, he had a radical encounter with Jesus. It changed his life. Just like the jailer in the, in the jail that Paul and Silas were in had a radical life-changing encounter with Jesus. I believe that could be your day today, right now. So before we close with every head bowed, every eye closed, here's what we believe. We believe that because of our sin, we have separated ourselves from God. And there is no amount of good works that we could do to get ourselves back into relationship with him. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to live the life that we could not live and die the death that we deserve for the penalty and payment of our sin. On that cross, Jesus took everything that we deserve and he gave us everything that he deserves. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. When you make this decision, the Bible says that you are a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Right now, today, if you need joy in your life, if you need joy, you need Jesus. And if that's you on the count of three, would you just lift your hand so I can acknowledge you? One, two, three. People are saying yes all over the place. Amazing. This is your moment. This is the day everything changes in your life. This is the day when joy floods in. Amazing. You can put your hands down. And we're just gonna pray this as a church family. And we pray, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. 